Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swole podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm your host, Caleb. And I paint houses. So this week, uh, we watched a movie, and we'll talk about it. Sure, sure will. How are you, friend? I am good. How was Thanksgiving? Uh, boy, did I have a fucking week. Uh, so, let's see. Sunday night. Uh, we did our show, and then I edited it, and then uh, edited uh, another show for Gerald, uh, which is the top five best TV shows of the decade. Uh, so, uh, you know, because I'm a great friend and I, I do things. Uh, then, uh, the next day, I went to watch Knives Out with Corey, and then I came back to my What'd house. What do you think of Knives Out? I liked it. Uh, terrible whodunit. I, I liked it a lot. Terrible whodunit. Uh, g- good movie. Fun movie. I don't know. It's uh, it's not like the best mystery ever put to film, but like, I don't think it really tries to be. Like, it's a really interesting like reverse mystery where sure. the guilty party is like working with the detective, but like trying to obfuscate what actually happened and like lead him away from the truth. You know? Yeah. Uh, but then immediately after that, uh, I. Recorded a, an episode with Julio and Alex of the Contrarians about uh, everyone's favorite Netflix original movie, Mute. Uh, then Wednesday was uh, drive work for eight hours and then drive for eight hours. Uh, so that that was the day. And then I got three days with the uh, Bubby time. Uh, over which time I learned that I have a I, I got offered a job in uh, North Carolina. So then Friday was let's look at apartments. Uh, which, uh, if anyone doesn't know, apartment staffs uh, aren't there on Fridays, on Black Friday. So, didn't actually get to see any apartments, just kind of got to look, look at the area and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, then Saturday was watching The Irishman, and then going to a, an, not open mic night, but sort of open mic night. Like, there were these, uh, Ashley knew some guy who was doing a 30-minute stand-up. Uh, he was actually pretty good. Like he was, he was probably the best, best one of the the three people. Uh, that said, did he, he did he ask the audience what the deal with airline food was? Un- unfortunately, he didn't. But I want to talk more about the guy who who quote opened for him. Uh, I, I I guess actually he should, he's the lead in for him. Uh, who was the least funny and most awkward human being I have ever seen in my entire life. Because he opens his set, uh, someone was like, the the MC was like, oh, this guy just got done running a marathon. Uh, it's very clear this man has never run a marathon in his life, but I digress. 
so he comes up on stage pretending like he's tired because you know he was running a marathon that he that he didn't. All right, fine. You're you're, so, you're so going for a joke. So his shtick is that he runs. No, he has no shtick uh, other than being painfully, <laughs> painfully awkward. He looks around and he's like, "Boy, am I sore!" And he sees this one girl in the crowd and he, he's like let me see your hands i wonder if you have good strong hands and we're like, i'm sitting next to ash and we're just like oh no oh no this creep is uh creeping already good uh so it's just 15 minutes of awkward attempts at comedy <laughs> where this man see, shows he should have he should have had somebody planted in the audience who was dressed as the rock man from never-ending story and say, you look like you have big, strong hands. Uh, and he could look down at them and say, don't they? Sh- sure. Uh, so 15 minutes of awkward and painful attempts at comedy later, uh, he's done. No one, like, he was getting sympathy laughs, if that. Uh, so, yeah, he was awful. Uh, apparently he ran off and probably hung himself because he's very bad at comedy. So that was my week. And then I drove back home today. So... I had a great fucking week, let me tell you. With 16 hours of driving, it was just phenomenal. Only 16 hours. Yeah. Most of it was, uh... <laughs> it was all highways, basically. Uh, and then, yeah. like, 30 minutes of it was getting gas, so... Regardless. Jesus. There goes my wedding ring. There goes my hero. It's all dusty. So yeah, I started a new job in January. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, you know what's really going to be wonderful? What? My swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Why, what do you got? Ugh. Once again, I'm having the natter day. Why? Because Vanessa yelled at me and was like, do you really hate that that much? And was like giving me shit about my review of it. So uh, I decided to drink it again because I'm spiteful and she'll be so mad when she hears me talking about it again. Uh, I just want to point out, you did an impression of your wife uh, who already (laughs) listens to the show. The impression doesn't sound like her in any way, shape or form. So you've only done more to uh, anger her. Yes. I'm not a very good partner. Sure. Uh, I want to point out, we, we got a comment on our, our Podbean page, which uh, you guys can leave a Podbean comment as well uh, if you use the app. But uh, Scott Lavar said, I can confirm the nastiness of that natty. So you are not alone. <laughs> I'm glad someone has my back. Is it, This is just, it's untenable what they have done. Uh, sure. Whatever you say. I believe you. Ugh, man. This is a bad idea. I just drank a full glass of milk, too, and ate a slice of pumpkin pie. You have mental illness. Thanksgiving, uh, so. No, you have none left because Booker ate it. It's true. I got myself a nice big, you know, pre-bed snack of pumpkin pie. Uh, Put it on my nightstand, went to the restroom. Came back to licking sounds and then uh, yelled at him and then like made him awkwardly eat the whole thing because 
I I yelled at him and I was like, now it's garbage, eat it. And he was like, he knew that he wasn't supposed to eat it, but like he did it because I made him. <laughs> and it was a horribly awkward experience for both of us. Uh, I'm I'm real proud of both of you. <laughs> Vanessa was trying to go to bed and she was just looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I mean, that's you employed the same parenting technique as uh, parents who f- catch their kids smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, you have to smoke the whole pack now. And then years down the line when they have lung cancer, it's all on the parent. So whenever, <laughs> whenever Booker gets pumpkin cancer, it's on you. I don't know if pumpkin's bad for dogs. I hope it isn't. No, it's, um, I see it in, like, health, like... The quote health food for dogs bags, so I don't think it is. It's like duck pumpkin and like rice or some shit that they put in there. I don't know. Vanessa told me to give it to my tortoise because we'll get him like pumpkin as a treat. But uh I was like, nah, I can't do that because it has like the spices and stuff in it that'd probably fuck him up, so mm. fascinating. Um w- <laughs> what news is there? Oh, Shit, it's mail time. All right, uh, up the sword, sword update number one. Uh, Wayne still has not taken down his decorative sword, so therefore, do not vote for him, Mister Aruzu. Tear down this sword. Yeah. Uh, I would like to point out the countdown's top five Patreon contributors are all sword manufacturers. Conspiracy, fucking a right it is. So uh, there you go, everybody. Can't trust them. Uh, actual news update. Uh, so a few months ago, Netflix announced that it would use uh, New York's recently shuttered Paris Theater for special screenings of Marriage Story, uh, and those went over to great effect. So Netflix will now lease the theater for quote Netflix original movie debuts, special events, and other screenings. End quote. Uh, the exact details are unknown of the lease. Uh, this is now Netflix's first brick and mortar theater in the U.S. with their negotiations for purchase. For purchasing Grauman's Egyptian Theater in Los Angeles, still on hold. All right. And Sex Education's second season is set to premiere on January 17th. I talked about this show on here. It's uh, funny. I don't know. that. I guess like a bunch of people in the BDSM community were all pissed off because that's not how it really be. But Wait. You're, nope, sex education is a different thing. You're thinking of bonding. Bonding, fuck. What the fuck's, oh, sex education's were the, with, uh. With Ender. Yeah. Man, did I screw the pooch on that. That's staying in and immortalized forever. I'm like, what the fuck is I mean, that's there's, fine. There's no BDSM in that show at all. What is he talking? Oh, he's bonding. Okay. Uh, well, then, well, then it's a show that is getting a second season that I've never watched and am never going to watch. Uh, that's, that's a Gillian Anderson one, right? Yes, it's a great show. Well, good for you. I wanted to talk about the theater, though. Uh, so I originally thought that Netflix had bought uh, the Egyptian theater. They didn't. So uh, they're they're trying to get a theater in New York and a theater in Los Angeles because Oscars, and you need those for their Oscars to be uh, considered to be competing. So they're doing that. Uh, I don't like it, but hey, this is what 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 the world is now, uh, especially since apparently uh, the government is rolling back the rules uh, the rules on a uh, 
distributors and uh, production studios being able to own theaters. So get ready for that Disney theater chain, everybody. You wanted this. I mean, someone has to do it. Like, every other theater is like... uh, They're all just Disney movies. They're going to do it. Everyone's going to sell Disney, and then you're going to be able, you're going to only be able to watch Disney in those theaters, and then everywhere else yeah. is just going to die. Yeah, so that's why I'm fine with this. There will be other theaters. Movie theaters are garbage anyway. No, just just yours. Yours, yours, is, pretty, I, um, yours is pretty trash. I went and saw Knives Out the other day, and I've never wanted to murder children more. Why? Why were children in Knives Out? Uh, they were a bunch of, oh, I'm going to take a shot in the dark here, 12 to 15 year olds. Um, and that's one of the worst age groups. And I hated everybody who was 12 to 15 when I was 12 to 15. And now that I'm in my thirties, I, it's really affirming to be around that and like, to reflect on my decision to never have children. It's great. I thought that movie was rated R. Yes. Man, fuck you, parents. Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, this is the second time in the row that I had a really bad theater experience due to fucking poor parenting. So, from now on, as soon as something happens, I'm going out to the lobby and getting the manager... And if it continues to happen, I will let them know that I'm not spending my money there. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Well, we'll see. Uh, apparently, uh, well, there's an Alamo draft house nearby uh, where I'll be working. So that that apparently is like the number one movie theater experience because it's like fewer people, uh, more expensive tickets. But like you can't fucking like you get one warning if you talk and they have someone who's like patrols the area basically like yeah. everyone like everyone uh the employees has like their own beat like they're a fucking beat cop for the theater and they patrol the theater and they're just like you fucking talk again i'll kill you and then <laughs> and then people shut up so yeah that like you're never gonna get that because you're you live in an area where uh twenty dollar movie tickets is uh outlandish see i would pay probably thirty dollars per ticket to just have a nice, peaceful, calm experience. Yeah, but I, I think I watched fucking a quiet place in an Alamo theater, and it was perfect. It was the perfect experience because no one fucking talked. I got a fucking Reuben, and that thing was cold by the end of that movie because <laughs> I didn't need it. Yeah, that's what uh, I got a fucking popcorn and went into a quiet place, and I was like, "Well, this is trash now." <laughs> It's so true. Yeah, like, I don't know. I guess we can talk about it now, because, like, let's be honest, it's a very light news week. Uh, There's no trailers, so there's not even going to be downstream. Uh, Quick Hits is going to be, like, a a quick one for me anyway. So, like, we can talk about the theatrical experience and how, like, I think it's becoming less and less relevant for the most part. Like, outside of blockbusters, like, Fucking Mission Impossible, for instance. Like, if Mission Impossible is out, like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the movie theater and watch that shit because, like, I don't get that on Netflix. But like, for me personally, anything that takes place in a public space is becoming less and less relevant because I'm just such a crotchety old fucker now. Yes. Like i I just simply do not 
want to hear or interact with people. And I largely do think, you know, call me a dickhead all you want. Like, okay. Cause I was telling Vanessa this on the way back from the fucking movie theater. Kids need to get their asses beat these days. You know, whenever I was, whenever I was young, I was always quiet and respectful in public because I knew that if I didn't, I was going to get my ass beat. I feel like there's going to be a pushback. You know how like everything societally like ebbs and flows with time. Like now we're in the over babification of, of children and eventually we'll be back to uh very like corporal punishment. I feel at some yeah. point. I, I don't think that you should beat your kids, but that looming I threat. Know. I mean, like, like it's the same thing. Like, I don't think that we should fucking bomb the Middle East constantly. But where are you going with this? Maybe it's good that they think that they know we can. <laughs> no, I'm I'm opposed. I I am a pacifist. I think that uh, the overuse of the military is the one of the worst problems that we face. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I mean, no, I don't think people should beat their kids. But like, they're. I think that, like, a lot of teenagers just are free of consequences to everything that they do. It's like, I don't know, like, I don't know. I I think if your kids are shitty, you should, like, play Fortnite with them. Like, make everybody hate them. Yeah. (laughs) Follow them Like, hey, you're not allowed to play Fortnite with your friends unless I'm in every match you play. Your kid will be a fucking angel. Sure. Like it. Like if I catch you smoking your jewel, I'm gonna come where <laughs> you and your friends are and start flossing. No, Dad, please. <laughs> I don't know. But like, we were talking about the whole theater experience. But like, so I had the chance. Like, there was a theater in Pittsburgh that started screening The Irishman on the 22nd, like last Saturday, and I was like, but I don't, I don't want to go to the movie theater to watch The Irishman now, like. I don't care anymore. Like it's coming out in five days. Like I, I, I don't give a fuck. Like if this was like a month ago, sure, I'd go watch The Irishman a month ahead of time and like, you know, get yeah. that get that theatrical experience. But like I don't give a fuck five days ahead of time. So like, I don't know. I, I like I said, I find it less and less relevant for me to go to the movie theater. Like Knives Out was like in the last three months, I've gone to The Lighthouse and Knives Out, and that was it. Like I've been to the theater since. Like my uh, Cinemark movie pass thing, where you get like free tickets every month, like one free ticket every month. Uh, I have I had four tickets sitting that were free, uh, because I hadn't fucking used them. So like, I, yeah. I don't go out to the movie theater. I don't find it relevant. I can get a similar experience at home on Netflix most of the time. Yeah, before Knives Out, the last movie that I had seen in theaters was Joker. Where I had oh, yeah, uh, Joker too. a six-year-old right. sitting behind me who kept kicking my seat. It's an R-rated movie. These parents suck. Like, yeah. legitimately and suck. It was like a woman and I think her three kids, maybe, which slow the way the fuck down, lady. And then like three <laughs> other kids that I guess she was babysitting and their parents signed off on it. But it was one adult and like six children. 
who are way too young for this, and she just sat there and was fine with them watching the the murder show. That, 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 like not even like the murder aspect, but like the whole mental health issue just goes way, like that movie's not for them on every fucking level. Yeah. Like thematically, it won't it, it won't work for these kids. Uh, you know, the final thirty minutes is not even remotely appropriate for them. They won't appreciate Joaquin Phoenix's performance. They're just like watching colors. Yeah. Like if you really need them to sit in front of a screen <laughs> for an hour and a half, take them to fucking Veggie Tales. <laughs> oh man, that's something I've thought about a lot because, like, I've actually for like for a long time, like if I could own a movie theater, like that would be my dream. I would love oh, yeah. that. But uh, it would definitely be. 18 and over only like it doesn't matter what's being shown like no kids period full stop i'm i i yeah i'd be down with that i don't know i, I just I, I think my my home theatrical experience needs to be fixed though because ashley needs to just shut the fuck up and watch movies now but hey <laughs> whatever yeah i don't know um I'm gonna be I'm gonna be shopping around for some theater equipment. Vanessa told me she wants a surround sound Ooh. for Christmas. So yeah, I have a. I think I've said this before, but I have a pseudo surround sound right now. I don't even have speakers hooked up to my computer. They're just hooked up to my optical out on my TV. So like, I have a subwoofer and then like, you know, left and right channel. But it you know it's it's sort of there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just worried that. I'll be up in at like three in the morning playing Resident Evil or something with the surround sound and like uh either not hear the killer approach or like have a heart attack. <laughs> uh, so I, I hope I hope everybody likes banter sewed. I mean fun. I don't know about you, but I, I, I have uh, several things to talk about with The Irishman, and then that's it. I don't want to talk about that movie anymore. Spoilers for how I feel about this movie coming up, but uh, I don't really care. Uh, speaking of things we watched this week, uh, what else did you watch this week in Quick Hits? Nothing, but uh, given how the show's been going so far, I'm afraid that I've inherited my father's anger. I just had that realization. Okay, uh, so as to not expound upon that any further, uh, I watched The Night Before Christmas. Uh, we're saving this for a special Christmas episode. Just know that I watched it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> y- yeah. Well, so we were staying at Ashley's uh, sister and her uh, wife's house uh, for... Because they were up in Philadelphia f- visiting uh, uh, her parents. So, like, we stayed at their place. And then they came back on Saturday. And they were like, we just want to watch some garbage Hallmark movies. So I'm like, oh, okay. Here's the night before Christmas. So we watched it. Uh, and I will save my thoughts on that until the Christmas episode, like I said. Just know that uh, Vanessa Hudgens stars in another Christmas movie. So don't get your hopes up. Um, Do you think they'll do a sequel to it where it's about his horse? Uh, uh, spoiler alert, the horse comes with him back to the future. Yeah. So it's fine. The, the you, ho- you know what You know what that sequel treatment would be called, Dan? No. The Night's Mare Before Christmas. Uh, so the other movie that I watched was The Christmas Chronicles again, because that is a good, a, a good Christmas movie. 
I don't know whether or not it's because of the script, because, uh, well, actually, it's like, we talked about it last year. It's relatively inventive for what it does, and it has Kurt Russell, Santa Claus, so, yeah. like, it's enjoyable enough. Like, it's not, it, like... It is solidly watchable. Yeah, like, so, I watched it again this year. Uh, it's still pretty good. You know, I had a fun time with it, so, there's that. And uh, everyone's everyone's like, man, I can't wait. Everyone in the room was like, oh, man, I really want a sequel to this. I'm like, there's a sequel coming out in 2020. And Ashley's like, oh, there's a sequel coming out in 2020. I'm like, yes, we talked about this on the show. Yeah. Why don't you listen to me? You yeah. don't love me at all. That's what I said. I said, wow, you really love me with how much you pay attention to what <laughs> I say. Jesus, your, your relationship dynamics the same as mine and Vanessa's. Yeah. See, why, why did they put up with us? I don't know, but like they'll they can listen do so much better, Dan. They can. They will listen and they will pick out the negative things we say about about them and then talk about those. But if we say something like mildly useful, they'll just completely tune it out. Well, now they're going to pick out you saying that. <laughs> it's true, though. Uh, we're getting into some fucking dark waters on this episode. I'm glad no one listens to this show because we'd be crucified. Uh, well, our numbers have been dropping, so it's weird. I don't know what happened. It was just like all of a sudden our numbers dropped, and I don't understand it. But hey, it's because I have a shitty personality. I think we both have shitty personalities. So, uh, with our shitty personalities intact, why don't we cut over and do a quick break? And when we come back from that, we're going to talk about our main review topic for the week. The Irishman from Martin Scorsese. It's finally here. We can finally talk about it and then put it away forever into a vault. The Disney Plus Vault. Do you love a good story? If you do, check out Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and each week on Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic short story, adding music and sound effects to bring those stories new life. Poe, Vonnegut, Kipling, Twain... These are just a few of the authors that we've featured so far. And in addition to classic short stories, we feature original stories from aspiring authors. So if you do love a good story, give stories of your, that's Y-O-R-E, and yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, a listen today. And visit the show at S-Y-Y Podcast on Facebook and Instagram to say hi and let me know what you think. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about the most anticipated Netflix movie you fuckfaces have ever seen. It's The Irishman by Martin Scorsese. The Irishman is Scorsese's attempt at The Godfather and features uh, Robert De Niro wearing what looks like a rubber mask that makes him look like uh, a vampire from 50 years ago. (laughs) What did you think of The Irishman? A movie about young old people. Boy, do I have a final statement that is uh, going to enrage everybody on the internet. Uh, I ultimately find this movie at best fine. Uh, it's it's so... We've been memeing on it for weeks now about how like it's three and a half hours. And like how I'm not going to be able to pay attention to this movie because of it, the fact that it's fucking... Th- three and a half hours and, and ultimately it lost me at about two and a half hours in which is uh see the i correct time. i intentionally watched it in bite-sized chunks 
So I think that that improved my experience of it. Now, did you see... I, I cannot imagine watching this in one solid go. Uh, we did. We we paused 15 minutes in because Ashley wanted to take a shower. Like, she was already bored 15 minutes in. And then, like, <laughs> she took a shower and I played a game of Madden. And then we came back and finished the rest of the movie. Now, I have a question. Did you see online that somebody made, like, a viewing guide to, like, basically break it up into a miniseries? Almost a la Tarantino's no. uh, Hateful Eight. So really some so someone had the the quote unquote audacity to create a a viewing guide for those people who didn't have like their the rest of their lives in order to watch this movie. Yeah, for people who don't know how to fucking watch a film. So like the internet was outraged by that, but uh, I I really only caught like the first episode thing and it was like the end the end of the first episode was was basically like the end of the phone call between uh Hoffa and Frank and that was it like that was the end of the the first episode and then like after that it broke up in like 45 minute chunks or like 45 minute to an hour chunks and i thought that was interesting but like i just wanted to watch it as a fucking movie uh wh- what did you think uh it's fine i actually quite enjoyed it like i said it's it's kind of like scorsese trying to do the godfather like he's trying to just make this like landmark thing and like it it is pretty good and like it's it's a well-crafted movie and i i honestly really enjoyed it but it's not like anywhere near as good as goodfellas like good like goodfellas is scorsese's best in my opinion hands sure. down and like he also did the original version of Joker, which is called Taxi Driver. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's uh, this movie's very good. I understand why everybody's shitting their pants about it, but at the same time, like, I don't know why their dicks are that hard about it. Like, it's right. it's a good movie. It's not like. It's a crown jewel for Netflix. It's not a crown jewel for Scorsese. I don't know. I felt the thing. I felt it was so self-indulgent. Like there were just entire swaths of this movie that I felt like could have been cut out entirely and you would have gotten the exact same impact from it. Like I just don't see the point of it being three and a half hours. Like I never saw the point of it being three and a half hours from the get go. I I felt like I was watching a Tarantino movie because I was just like they're they're all just talking so much, you know? Like, it's just all, like, it's it's very dialogue-driven, and then, like, I don't know, occasionally, like, somebody will shoot somebody, but, like, I don't know. There's, there's like, a few things that I would say are, like, we'll call them cinema sins, I guess. I don't know if that's copyrighted. Probably. Probably. But, like... <sighs> Whenever a new character is introduced, it pa- like it pauses the movie, yes, and comes up with a thing that says their name and how they died. And I'm like, all right, yeah. Like I don't know if that's worse or like the the, the pre credits roll saying like the where are they now thing if that's worse, but both are bad. I didn't care about any of these characters. Like they were very much one off characters. Yeah, that tell, I don't just need tell to know the about. story. Yeah, like fu- I don't give a fuck about these people. Fu- fuck them. I, I get that it's based on true events. Just I don't 
care. I thought Ray Romano was delightful, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He was kind of the standout for me in this. Pesci also. Because uh, Pesci, didn't he like come out of retirement to do this? Yeah, I think his last movie was like 2006. Yeah. So, I and mean, that's cool. And, like, obviously him and uh, De Niro and Scorsese are all good enough friends that, like, he'll come back for that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think about the de-aging? It's a lot better than D- D- Princess Leia in <laughs> Star Wars. That's 100% true. Like, De Niro's eyes were the biggest giveaway, because, like... I get that he does have, like, very piercing blue eyes, but, like, sometimes they looked like fucking White Walker eyes from Game of Thrones. Sure. And, like, sometimes his skin just had, like, a plasticky sheen to it. I I think it was mostly bad in the first, like, de-aging scene, because, like, uh, that was, like, when we go back to the 50s, I want to say, or, like, early 60s. Like, that looked terrible. But then after that, it was just like, oh, okay, this is a thing, and I barely notice it. But I know he's old. Uh, There was one sequence where Ashley was like, oh, my God, he's doing the old man T-Rex arms. And that's where he goes, (laughs) like, after he finds out that the grocery store owner fucking, like, pushed his daughter. So he goes down and fucking curb stomps his hand. And if you see him, like, the way he's stomping on him, like, his arm is very T-Rexed. And I would not have noticed if Ashley hadn't pointed that out. Well, like, because that's that's the main reason why they de-aged him instead of using different actors. Because, like, Scorsese wouldn't have to try to get another actor to mimic his body language and stuff. But, like, the the downside of that is that you then have, like, what is supposed to be a, a 30 to 40 year old who's got the body language of like a 70 year old yeah like you're you're seeing these guys try to act the age that they're they are on screen but but really behind the scenes they're like about to fall apart into just dust so like it it just (laughs) their movements are extraordinarily awkward i i did get swept away in the story like i never knew much about jimmy hoffa like i always thought that he was like a martyr for like, you know, he got killed cause he stuck, stuck up for like union workers rights and everything. And mm-hmm. like he, he got in somebody's way and they, they assassinate him. Like I never really knew that story, but like, it's, it's interesting cause they do a really good job of recreating like the, the political forces that were at play at that time so it's like the kennedys were corrupt and like the mob controlled everything and the unions were corrupt and they controlled everything and like it's like there's there's no good guys right in this period of history and like and now you know the mob is not nearly as powerful as what it used to be and you know unions are all but dead in the united states and all the corruption is uh, in the government's hands, and we finally have uh, peace and tranquility across the land. So I don't know. It's uh, it's a, it's a good stage for you know telling your story because it's uh, it's a bit of intrigue. It's a bit of just you know powerful people making moves against each other, but like um, there's a lot of like human elements and like friendships that get 
drug through the mud in this situation too. So yeah, that's all interesting. Um, there's one spoilery bit that I want to talk about uh, coming up here, uh, but uh, this bit I want to talk about is uh, in the first 20 minutes of the movie. So don't don't get upset. This isn't very spoiler at all. Uh, this movie is told in a non-linear kind of format for some reason. So like we start with uh, De Niro's character Frank in uh, an old age home at the end of his life, and then yeah. he flashes back to a road trip he took like in his 50s. But then uh, they get to a, a specific spot on the road trip. And then they flash back again to basically the start of Frank's yep. <laughs> Frank's story. And so then, there's there's two narrative stories, both about the same guy, yes. that run throughout the length of the movie uh, in sequential order. But then they'll do cutbacks to like other random points. So it's like you're following three or four stories about the same guy. But I want to bring up one other thing. There is a third flashback within that scenario this was inception levels of timelines because they do a quick it's like a quick minute 30 second to a minute flashback of him in world war ii and he has these two italian guys digging their own graves and then he shoots them and like that fine fine. that's just him telling his story right but what i mean is like you have three separate flashbacks all in the same sequence for some reason yeah like it, it just. I think they over convoluted that. Like I understood where every point of reference was, but like I feel like the whole road trip angle that they they were taking serves almost <laughs> no fucking purpose to the movie. And if all they did was do a flashback to the f- start of Frank's story, it would have served the exact same purpose. The if Netflix wants to get into uh, product marketing like uh making merchandise off of their movies now's the time because they can make a a line of uh the irishman dolls where it's a russian nesting doll and each one is a younger (laughs) robert de niro (laughs) it's actually (coughs) it's fucking genius (laughs) just gets a little more plasticky each time I don't know. I, I, I don't understand the whole road trip thing. Uh, it, it didn't make much sense to me as to why that was uh, the, the narrative through line for well, the first the main, telling of the story. That's the main thrust of it, because that's... That's actually what I to talk about next. So let's jump into spoilers real quick and talk about the, the one sequence that I found to be the best sequence. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could just Son play the... bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. So let's talk about the sequence leading up to Jimmy Hoffa getting shot, which is Frank... Uh, with Joe with uh, Joe Pesci's character, I can't uh, Russell in the Russell. car. They're driving from somewhere to with Russell, not his muscle, but percussion he provides. <laughs> I never thought we'd get a Gorillas reference in the Irishman, <laughs> but here we are. Here we're we're living it. We are. Uh, so he drives to Port Port Clinton and then takes a, a private plane to Detroit. And throughout this entire sequence, I think it's about 30 minutes, a 30 to 45 minute sequence, I think. I, I don't know. This movie felt like an eternity, but like this was the most gripped I was. Uh, there's no score throughout the entire sequence uh, from 
when he takes off from Port Clinton to when he returns to Port Clinton. And I thought that was great. Uh, and I thought it was also cool that they reused a bunch of shots like of a car turning onto a street or a car turning away from that street and driving and such. I thought it was very, very cool. Like, just this big tension build of when is he going to do it? When is he finally going to kill Jimmy Hoffa? Is he going to shoot him, you know, outside the club? Is he going to shoot him in this house? Like, where where are they going to kill Jimmy Hoffa? And I found that fucking visually arresting. But outside of that, like, it, the rest of the movie was like a flat whatever for me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, It really is a structural mess. Yes. I didn't realize how big of a mess it was until you started reminding me of how much of a mess it was. I don't know. I feel like, cause remember on the road trip when they stop and they're like, Oh, Hey, look, look where that place is. And then they flash back to where they first meet. Like, I think you can just have the narr the, the straight up narrative, like of him retelling it a la Goodfellas, which I think like he threw in an extra layer to make Goodfellas not like it, this not seem so comparable to Goodfellas. But, like, if you remove that and just, like, trust the audience to remember, like, oh, this is where they first met. And they just go, huh, how about that? And then they move on with their, their road trip through and collecting money and then going to wherever they're going. Like, I, I think that's better. But, you know, that's that's just me. I'm sure someone's going to come along and be like, well, you're a fucking idiot, you moron man. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you want to say about The Irishman? I don't know, like, the trailer was all about him getting that ring, that cool gold ring that there's only three of them in the world. Mm -hmm. And, like, the trailer made that seem really significant, but then, like, that scene happens in the movie, and it's like, oh, there's there's no weight to this at all. He just has the same ring as the other guy. Yeah. That's a good point. Like, that never gets brought up. It's like, he, he's never striving for this ring. It's just, like, a matter-of-fact kind of thing that, like, oh, three people in the world that had this ring, and now you're one of them. I don't know. It never, like, he never goes anywhere with, like, his crime career. Like, it, it he doesn't become part of the mafia. He's just a goon. Like, yeah. they just pay him to go and shoot people sometimes. I Which, I, I think... That sequence of him describing like how he would do hits was interesting. And then like the the constant refreshing of the, you know, every time he'd throw a gun in the river kind of thing, like that was cool. Because it would show like, okay, he's the guy they trust to do this. <laughs> I don't know. I especially like the scene where he was like getting ready to go kill the other mob boss. And he's like, for something like this, you'll need two yeah. guns. The the one you're gonna use and a backup one. And then he goes in and he just pulls out both guns and just starts shooting them. I was like, but he's just going to use both guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, yeah, like, I, found, I found that wildly interesting, like that whole that whole sequence. But I don't know. I yeah. um, no, like there are there are parts of this movie I really like. But then like it's surrounded by like to me what feels like a lot of filler about nothing in particular when in reality like the we get the focus on their relationship at the end of the first act uh, jimmy hoffa and frank's relationship when really we should be driving towards that the whole time considering that's the 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 big crux of the movie and that's like the climax of the movie is him shooting jimmy hoffa let's build to that a bit faster 
And maybe it won't take three and a half hours for us to to finally get to that point. Yeah. Uh, my final thought is this, and uh, please bear with me as I read this aloud. Uh, ultimately, I, f- I will forget about this movie the second this review is over. Uh, this movie lacks any respect for its audience, but it, it doesn't care really about its audience in the first place. Uh, Scorsese got his movie, and that's all that will matter at the end of the day for some people. I hope they're happy, because I am completely unenthused. Three stars. <laughs> uh, I don't know. My... uh. My rating system is not consistent in any way. I was thinking yes, Corey. earlier today about, gee, I can't even remember what it's called now. The what Bonnie movie? and Clyde movie. Uh, The Highwaymen. The Highwaymen. And like why I liked that so much. And I was like, you know, in, in the moment, because I was kind of blown away by it, I guess because I just expected nothing. Like, that was a five for me, but, like, realistically, it's probably more like a four, if I'm being really honest. Sure. And, like, if I rewatched it. But, like, this, I kind of feel like I wanted to rate it higher because I expected a lot. But, like, it just wasn't really there. Because it's just a big old... It's a big old spaghetti mess. It's just, like, shit piled on top of more shit, and it's... Just, I don't know. It really does feel like it's unnecessarily long. Like, yeah, I feel like this whole, like the, the entire concept could have been stripped down and streamlined a lot, but, um, I don't know. I I think I'm going to go three and a half. Sure. Like, I'm not going to begrudge anyone for liking this. I'm not going to begrudge you for liking this. It's just, uh, you know, we've been talking about it for weeks, but I, I think I, I don't I don't I'm not going to say I wanted to hate this movie, but I figured I would hate this movie and I didn't hate it. It's just so whatever to me. And this is one of those movies that I can never rewatch just because of like the infinite time sink that it will take for me to to do such a thing. I don't know. Like in the time that you could watch this movie, like you could watch pretty much the entire first season of living with yourself and like. Pound for pound, I was far more entertained by that show. Like, I almost, I almost want to do a tweet that's like, "Here's all the things you could watch instead of The Irishman in the same (laughs) amount of time." The Dark Knight twice. Actually, that's probably not true. Uh, The Dark Knight's two hours, so uh, if there's a director's cut of The Irishman, probably because that would be four hours. Well, what if you include the the talking about Irishman show? That fucking autoplayed after. Uh, yes, I wanted to shoot somebody because I, 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 like as soon as the movie was over, I'm like, I'm fucking done. I don't want to hear about this. Go, go away. Fuck off. Die. Like I, I just watched it. I don't, I don't care how good a friend Scorsese and De Niro are. I, yeah. I already know that. So yeah, there's that. That's it. The Irishman. Uh, send your hate mail to me. I'm sure you guys will. Okay, well, we'll be back after a couple minutes to talk about something else that's fine. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, 
Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back. Dan, it's time to get into our third segment review, which is another new Netflix movie. Uh, I Lost My Body, or in the original French, J'ai perdu mon corps. Uh, you'll have to bear with me because my French is pretty rusty. Did you say J'ai perdu? J'ai? J'ai? It's J'ai. J'ai, j'ai perdu mon corps. Is there a U? Fuck. I think it's yes? just J'ai perdu mon corps. Well, there is, there is a U at the end of it. Oh, is that? My French is huh. very rusty. That's I fair. Done. It's it's been fuck. One week since you looked. Fifteen at me? years. Six. No, it's been sixteen or seventeen years since French class. No, that's fair. I. So I was surprised. Uh, oh, it is. Uh yeah. You, you, the the general premise with with French or with French is you just drop off the last letter basically and don't pronounce the last letter. So it would just be. Mm. J'ai perdu mon corps. See, I I did take French in high school uh, for two years, but then I forgot all about it and then took German. A much cooler language. Yeah, which, like, you, like, you, like, it has a more, like, staccato feel to it. Like, you, like, hardly enunciate, like, every consonant, so it's, I don't know. Uh... Sure, this is the story of Nofel, a young man who is in love with Gabrielle. In another part of town, a severed hand escapes from a dissection lab, determined to find its body again. Um, hot take. Uh, this was very French. This was one of the Frenchiest movies I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know, I think... It's hard to describe, and hard to really dissect, uh, even though we begin in a dissection facility. I don't know. I, I I struggled to really grasp the themes of this movie and what it was trying to say. So, like, this definitely went over my head, and uh, therefore my enjoyment of this was stunted. So, like, I'm going to definitely say this wasn't for me. This this kind of movie wasn't for me, and uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to rate it very favorably, but uh, I can see the merit behind something like this. Okay, uh, this is fun. I... I think that this is visual storytelling done right. Um, for a great deal of this, this is, in essence, a silent film. Mm-hmm. And it's just about a disembodied hand uh, crawling across the ground, trying to search for uh, the the young man who uh, cut his hand off in a, a terrible uh, workshop accident. But also very, uh, very stupid workshop accident, as he shouldn't have been doing what he was doing around a fucking yes, moving saw. Yes, and we will get to that. 
but I don't know, like all the parts of the like the hand's journey and everything's from that like low to the ground perspective and um you know, everything is uh like commonplace objects to us are like massive threats since it's like a, a small protagonist, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and like all of those parts like the the river crossing scene and like where he's like fighting the bird and stuff like that all like it felt like a studio ghibli movie almost sure what really drags the movie down is everything that deals with the actual person that the hand is trying to find i'll agree to that Uh, because he's like he's had a hard life and like the movie really tries to make him a sympathetic character but i think unintentionally they really just made him seem gutless and creepy Mm -hmm. because like he follows a girl home and then like gets a job working for her uncle so that he can see her again and then whenever he reveals this all to her thinks that like she's just gonna be into it and she reacts how, like, she should have, which is that, like, this is fucking weird, and I'm leaving. Yeah. And yeah. then he and then he gets drunk and tries to go saw some boards in the morning, but then, like, tries to swat a fly for ten minutes while he leaves the saw running and gets his, his dad's watch caught in the saw blade and it chops off his hand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I think you nailed it. I, I struggled to really connect with Nofel because he's like, the movie wants to portray him as like this shy, bashful, like almost inexperienced kid, and mm. like you said, he comes across as a weirdo uh, who just for some reason decides to follow women home, which uh, don't fucking do that, you know. Yeah. They they needed kind of a longer period to redeem him as a character to make you kind of care. Cause like they don't do anything redeeming for him until like the final like minute or two of the movie. Yeah. And I didn't understand that overall thematically. Like what was the purpose of him doing that? So this is how I took it like earlier in the movie. Um, when him and Gabrielle are up on the rooftop, like there's that uh, big construction crane that like the hand was using as a landmark for like how to find its way back. Mm-hmm. Cause that's like right adjacent to the building where Nofel was staying. Um, but in that scene with them up on the rooftop, uh, he's saying like, do you believe in destiny and all this stuff? Like, are we just kind of fated to be, like all the bad things are going to happen to us or like, is it possible to change that? And he like, he kind of makes this analogy of like, say if I just like ran for the edge of the roof and jumped, like, am I destined to just hit the ground? Like what if I could reach out and actually get to that crane and land on that instead, that would be like changing your destiny. It's, it's not a good analogy, but that's like what he was saying is like symbolically him like leaping to the crane rather than just plummeting to his death is like him accepting control over his own life and choices and like 
gaining control of his destiny really for the first time ever because like of all this bad shit that happened to him when he was a kid. Sure. And he achieves that. But then like the movie just ends there. And the whole time we've been following like this hand crawling along the ground that is just there at the end. And the, the kid just doesn't have a hand and then it just ends. Yeah. Like there was a scene right before the end where it crawls into his room and then it looks like it's about to reattach itself and you're like, oh, okay, so he's about to become whole and symbolically this will mean like, oh, he he can let go of his fear because, you know, uh, his his actions, like his sins almost have been forgiven. So he can like kind of move forward from there. But it never happens. And then he just walks away from the hand. And then, like, the hand is yeah. just sitting there on the on the top of the building. So, like, maybe that's, like, leaving his apprehension behind? Or, like, his yeah, bashfulness I th- behind? I think kind of symbolically, like, what is supposed to be happening is, like, he's realizing that he's already whole. Or he has to learn how to be whole on his own, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It's just... It's just a shame... Like, there were a lot of things about this movie that I really liked, but, like, it it kind of just fell flat, ultimately. Yeah. And I don't know, like, once the hand makes it back to Nofel, I don't know if there's a way to end that in a way that would be satisfying. I think this might be the best version of the ending for this. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, we also, I think, like, the hand's journey is more symbolic of, like, life struggle to, like, keep moving even though you're being pushed down. And, like, it's like a, a facsimile of Nofell's life in the first place where, like, you know, uh, he yeah. goes through, like, he has a, a really nice life, but then, like, the car accident happens and his parents die. So, like, then he gets pushed down. So, like, it's almost like a mirroring of his story going forward from there. And then like the bringing back. And then, like you said, like the, the fact that he realizes he's whole, even though a part of the, a part of him is missing. So like, that's like a comparison or like a, an allegory for like his parents being gone is like, he doesn't really need them to be a complete person. Don't watch this. If you want to have a happy ending at the end of your movie, (laughs) you'd be better off watching the Irishman. And expecting a happy ending. Yeah, uh, I mean, though this is eighty minutes, so you can watch this three times in in the span <laughs> of the Irishman. So you could probably get enough out of it that you would it would make sense to you. See, this is this is kind of uh, the opposite problem that I have with a lot of movies, uh, where like a lot of movies, I look at them and I say, "Well, I like it, but is it art?" And this is the exact opposite. Like, this is a, a work of art. It's mm-hmm. it's beautifully built and rendered, but I don't know if I like it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I don't have anything else. Uh, sorry for spoiling the entire movie for everybody, but uh, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward thing. Yeah, uh, I think it's more what are you getting out of the movie yourself as opposed to what is at what the movie actually is. All right. Uh, what about a rating? <sighs> I, I coming out of it uh I remember uh, like you said with the unsatisfying ending I I very loudly screamed what about four times when I finished watching the movie cuz I was like <laughs> wait a minute what why did it end there like there's there's possibly more story to go here uh but uh I think our discussion actually raised it up a little bit for me I, I I'm now to two and a half on it uh just because like allegorically it works in most cases uh it, but like on a baseline narrative level it makes almost no sense as to what 
any objective really is like what is the hand's actual objective if it's just going to stand there and like not jump off the the building to the crane like if it's not going to try to become whole with him anymore i don't know uh, and maybe that's because it's more sim uh more allegorical than anything but uh yeah i'm going two and a half like it's someone will get something out of this more than i will yeah i'm gonna say three and a half it's as good as the irishman and uh, a third as long. <laughs> so there's that. So there's that. Well, next week, we've both been very excited about this. We're going to be talking about Marriage Story. Yes. Uh, and then one of our patrons, presumably wanting this to be tacked on with the Irishman, wants us to watch Raging Bull. Which one of our beloved patrons... Was that because it doesn't say? Uh, that was Chris Yeeney, who uh, who gave us that. Neat. Uh, I'm actually gonna look and see. I don't think he said he wanted it scheduled with anything in particular. Yeah, it's just kind of coincidence. I've also never seen Raging Bull. I haven't either, despite having wanted to for quite some time because uh, it was on HBO now for like forever. Mm-hmm. I never just never got to it. So. Uh, Chris just said Raging Bull, unless it's been seen, then Taxi Driver, and if both are off the table, 1984 Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, Chris was really giving us like two movies to watch, and then like Trash Can. Yeah, we appreciate you. Chris. Also, watch Taxi Driver. Yeah, see, if we were another podcast, we probably should have done that with like Joker. Like, if we were yeah. another kind of movie podcast, I'm like, ah, perfect double feature. D- taxi Driver and then Taxi Driver remake. You know, the contrarians, one might say, who just wrapped up their autumn of remakes. <laughs> All right. Well, until next week, where can the people find us, Dan? Uh, before that, I want to shout out a new patron to the show. Uh, Alan from Interrupted Tales and Parasite Ecology. Uh Subscribe to us at the one dollar level, so Alan gets uh, all of our bonus content and a shout out on the a shout out on the show. So, Alan, here's your first shout out, and we'll get you added to the the list of people to shout out. But thank you for giving us money for some reason. Also, he was on an episode of uh, Stories of Your and Yours. Oh yes, because he uh, introduced the story of the Tower of the Elephant by Robert E. Howard, and I've listened to that episode like three times. This is an endorsement for stories of your and yours. Uh, go find it at uh, syypodcast.libsyn.com. Look, Sean, I pay attention. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you want to give us money on Patreon, you can do that uh, at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. Or uh, you can go to our website, netflixandswill.com, and click the Patreon button in the top right corner, and it'll take you directly there. This month for our Revenge of the Forgotten Dick Pick, we're doing Chocolate City Vegas Strip. Uh, look, look for that sometime in the coming month of December. Uh, that's our Christmas present to you is uh, a male stripper movie. Yikes. Big yikes. Uh, well, until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday.
Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.